Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Tuesday, June 14th edition of the Basement Academy. As we get going, let me encourage you uh, to listen all the way to the end or watch all the way to the end. I, I know I sometimes turn off my podcasts before they're over and don't you know, pick them back up. I think the way we're, where we're going to land, I think, will be helpful to, uh, uh, to have you uh, listen to it all the way through. And I'll try to do my best to keep us uh, focused on the time and not, not to waste any time here. And so let's start with <clears throat> the morning psalm. Uh, Psalm 14, which seems to tie in a little bit to uh, our discussion of wisdom, as James writes about it, because this speaks of the fool. Psalm 14, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, their deeds are vile, there is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will evildoers never learn? Those who devour my people as men eat bread and who do not call on the Lord? There they are, overwhelmed with dread, for God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor, but the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. Amen. Psalm 14, probably written in the context of some opposition, some, some situation where Israel is being opposed deeply, maybe being persecuted in some way, and realizing the people who are coming against them have no thought for God. <clears throat> And so James writes, as we, as we read yesterday in chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, he writes of a, a wisdom that is, um, uh, is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. It is characterized by uh, bitter envy, selfish ambition, uh, boasting, denying the truth, um, uh, disorder, and every evil practice. And so such wisdom, and, and we find quotes around that, such wisdom is really folly. And, and, and so it's the wisdom of the world. It's the wisdom of those whose lives are, are shaped without reference to God. There is no God. So I'm going to live any old way I want. And so when you live any way you want, you look out for your tribe. You look out for yourself. You look out for your own you are not considerate of the community. You're not considerate of truth and any larger kingdom of God that is uh, at work. <clears throat> and so I, I, I think, the, um, I think the, the psalm probably lines up pretty well with our, our study here in James. Um, you know, James gives us eight character qualities. Wisdom, uh, the wisdom that is that comes from heaven, I'm sorry, I got the right, verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. And so James gives us eight qualities of a heavenly wisdom suggestive of eight beatitudes. There's some echo going on here, the pure in heart, the peace-loving, 
um, the mercy. So there's there's a parallel to three of the Beatitudes in, in particular. Um, what the language of fruitfulness, of good fruit, is, is suggestive of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Paul has written about that. Jesus spoke of it first, about if uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, my word abides in you, you will bear much fruit. And so uh, Paul uh, extends on that in his letter to the Galatian church. Uh, Peter writes, uh, it's something that, that it's sometimes called the, the ladder of faith. Peter writes in 2 Peter 1, verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. And so there's eight qualities there. Going from faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful. So I, I think Peter and Paul and James are all getting at the same reality that Jesus calls us to a certain kind of life. We've studied this in the, 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 the um, uh, being conformed to the character of Christ uh, study. Um, just a couple translations, uh, other translations of this. Sometimes I'll, I'll look at other translations to get a feel for a, a passage. The Amplified Bible says this, and the Amplified Bible takes a word and then gives additional range of meaning to it. So it tries to amplify, you know, kind of get all at that, that original uh, biblical word. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure and undefiled, then it is peace-loving, courteous, considerate, and gentle. It is willing to yield to reason, full of compassion and good fruits. It is wholehearted and straightforward, impartial and unfeigned, free from doubts, wavering, and insincerity. So that just fills it out. There's more words there than in the original, but again, it's amplifying. It's taking one word and trying to give a, a fuller range of meaning. Um, oh, this I like this is the ERV, but the wisdom that comes from God is like this. First, it is pure. It is also peaceful, gentle, and easy to please. Interesting. This wisdom is always ready to help people who have trouble and to do good for others. This wisdom is always fair and honest. So I like that. That's kind of the, I think it's the easy, easy reader's version, the ERV. Uh, and then the Phillips translation, uh, which has a little more of a dynamic quality to it. The wisdom that comes from God is first utterly pure, then peace-loving, gentle, and approachable. I like that, approachable, full of tolerant thoughts and kindly actions with no breath of favoritism or hint of hypocrisy. So do you get a feel for the range of meaning, but all of these virtues that are lifted up, they're, they're, they're qualities that reflect the kingdom. It reflects the character of Christ. It reflects something good uh, about the community. 
And so let me just try to unpack each of these real quickly and then wrap up with this notion of the harvest of righteousness. And so the, the, the wisdom, again, heavenly wisdom is pure. It, it has to do with kind of a moral integrity. And I don't want to focus kind of on the morality where we beat people up, you know, by being, you know, kind of moral nags. It, it, has, to, it has to do with the sense of, of integrity, uh, a pure metal, right, is without alloy. It's untainted. It, it, it's not uh, mixed, right? And so wisdom that, that is pure, that is there's an integrity to it. It, it. it recognizes it's pursuing wholeness. It's secondly, peace-loving, because wisdom from above recognizes that there's a community relationship that's at, at stake. There, there's a relational dynamic that is being threatened or, or is, 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 is at odds, right? And so, again, the echo of the peacemaker sees that there's two parties to which you might be one of those parties, right? So you are at odds with another person or you're maybe involved in a conversation that involves two parties that are at odds with each other. And so heavenly wisdom is concerned with the health and integrity of the community. That how this thing gets sorted out could have significant impact on relationships going forward and the overall health of the community. And so there is this uh, concern for the shalom. That, that's the Hebrew word for peace. Uh, Irene is the, is the Greek word for peace here. But shalom has to do with wholeness, goodness, fruitfulness, flourishing of the community. And so it kind of calls back to that Edenic quality of man and woman walking in concert and, and in harmony in goodness with God. So heavenly wisdom is concerned about the peace of the community, these parties that are involved, be it yourself and another, but to recognize something's at stake, the relationships could be impacted by how we sort this out. Uh, heavenly wisdom is considerate. That there's, there's, It's courteous. It, it considers other points of view. It acknowledges that the different parties to the situation have different perspectives, and so it tries to listen to that. There's an awareness that there are different ways of looking at this situation. And so heavenly wisdom is submissive. It is willing to yield and, and, and listen to the other point of view. Hey, let me, here's how I'm seeing it. Can, can you go through that? I, I don't see it that way, or I, I'm not sure you, 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 you two are listening to each other. Let's, let's go ahead and try to listen to each other and, and spell out your concerns as, as best you can, and let's try to be thoughtful about that. So there's a submissiveness, a willingness to yield to another point of view, or to at least consider another point of view. And <clears throat> people tend to hear the word submission or submissiveness and think that is about, that's being weak. I'm never going to submit to anybody. Well, that is not wisdom from above. That is wisdom of the earth. Selfish ambition. I won't yield to anybody. I'm not going to consider anybody other anybody's point of view but my own. That, my friends, is of the earth, unspiritual, of the devil kind of wisdom. It's, it's folly, right? We should always consider the points of views of others because we don't have, the, the, we don't have truth all figured out. 
I have a point of view, I have a concern, and I'll speak to that concern. But heavenly wisdom that can, is, is, is thoughtful of the community, of thoughtful of relationships, is willing to submit. That's not weakness, that's strength. Jesus submitted himself to the Father. Not my will, but thy will be done. And so there was a submission in a submissive spirit in Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, took the form of a servant, and in the form of a servant humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. That's Philippians chapter 2. And so heavenly wisdom is Christ-like. It, it, it recognizes I can yield and things can still be okay. And so it's full of mercy, right? And so it recognizes, you know, we may not be seeing it eye to eye, but I recognize you have a point of view. Um, so I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yield, I'm going to support that point of view. It's concern for the need of the other. In a situation where, you know, you have an interest and the other person has an interest, mercy listens to the interest of the other and recognizes that, wow, that, that really is a need. If this thing doesn't work out, that, that person's going to, you know, kind of continue to limp along a little bit. And so mercy is thoughtful of the other's need, of the other's situation, the trouble that they may be in, how, how one of these translations, it's concerned about others who may be in trouble. And so mercy, it's, it's, it's full of good fruit. Uh, and the notion of, of fruitfulness has to do with flourishing. And so heavenly wisdom seeks generative solutions. It seeks to generate something out of this tension. God may be doing something else. And so maybe I don't win and you don't win. Maybe there's a third uh, option that we can pursue that may, might have each of us bend a little bit and flex a little bit and stretch. But out of that will actually grow uh, in, in character uh, and in these, these you know, Christ-like qualities. And so heavenly wisdom seeks generative solutions. It seeks a flourishing, a, a, a fruitful uh, solution. Um, it's impartial. It tries not to take sides. It's not, I'm going to show favoritism to this party because I like them better. <laughs> You know, it's not going to be tribal. It, uh, partiality is related to the word party, okay? And so, you know, a party is just a tribe, right? You know, I have a view. I gather people around me who hold the same view. This is now my tribe. This is my party. And we are against the other people. <laughs> you know, obviously you can hear that the politics is rife with challenge when it comes to this because we think in terms of political parties. And so politics are, are underneath so much of the challenges that we run into, right? And, and so I'm going to come to that in just a second. And so heavenly wisdom is impartial. It seeks the good of the community, not just one party over another. And there's a sincerity to it. The, the word that stands behind uh, our word sincere also could be translated without hypocrisy or without pretense. Pretense is tied to the word pretend. Hypocrisy, of course, as we've studied, those are the actors. The, 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 the um, Pharisees were the hypocrites. They were acting the part. 
they acted as if they cared about God, but they really didn't. They cared about the applause of, of others. And so sincerity, it, it, there's, uh, if, if you are party to the situation, right, that, that, that's being worked through and you need wisdom to know how to handle this one, don't exaggerate the harm, the offense, uh, the wound that has happened. Don't, don't exaggerate the situation. That would be hypocritical. That would be an act. You're pretending as if this thing is far worse than it is. You know, sincerity says, you know, this isn't exactly how I wanted it to go, but I'm going to be okay. You know, I'm a little disappointed. I, I'll be honest with my emotions. And so I, I want to be transparent and open, but, but I'm going to be okay. This is going to get, this is going to challenge me. You know, this is maybe cost me a little bit, but I think I'm going to be okay. Let's go, let's go in this direction, right? There's nothing wrong with saying you're disappointed. There's nothing wrong with saying that you wished it would be different. Sincerity takes an honest evaluation and doesn't exaggerate the, the harm that's done. You're disappointed, but you're gonna be okay, right? Let, let's, let's move in this direction because that's gonna be good for the whole, that's going to be good for the community. It's going to be helpful to you, to your situation. So I'm, I will yield, I will defer, I will submit, I'll be considerate, and I'm going to be sincere. I'm going to be okay. Imagine if in our political debates, in our politics, in our divisions, in all of the stuff that's going on in our society, imagine if all Christians kind of pursued this approach. And I know there are Christians on both sides of the political divide, right? So it's not like, you know, Christians are only Democrats or Christians are only Republicans. You know, we've talked about this. You can't imagine how anybody could vote for the other, uh, other party as a Christian because, you know, as a Christian, you have to vote this way. Well, they think the same thing as you, right? So I don't care if you're a red teamer or a blue teamer. It doesn't matter. Imagine if Christians on both sides of the political divide, both sides of the political aisle, approached things this way. What if we pursued a harvest of righteousness? We, we took up the, the call to be peacemakers. You see, politics, our word politics is related to the word polity, which is related to the word polis, the city. The polis is just the city. How will we, a group of people living in proximity to one another, how will we order our shared lives together? That's the political question. That's the question of the polis. How will we allocate resources? How will we distribute responsibility and authority? Who will make decisions? Who will need to abide by those decisions? How will we enforce those decisions? Who will we permit into this community? How will that person uh, come alongside and, and learn the ordering of the community? What happens if they don't live uh, according to the standards of the community? How will we uh, impose some kind of... of um, uh, what's the word I want to say? Punishment. You know, how do we how do we maintain the order of of the of the community of the city? That's all politics is. But we often in our political debates tumble down into earthly wisdom, unspiritual wisdom, devilish wisdom, which is really folly. 
and and we become the fool who says in his heart at that moment there is no God because when we're fighting for political, you know, we've got to get the uh, upper hand on this thing. We're acting as if there is no kingdom of God that is over all and that God could be working something bigger than we can see. And so we become temporarily atheists and we become foolish at that moment. So this is why I'm hoping you're listening to the end, okay? <laughs> and so what would happen if we took James chapter three about taming our tongues and then living according to heavenly wisdom and applied it to just that area, just the politics. But now we can expand out to, you know, conversations in your home with between husbands and wives, parents and children, co-workers, situations at church, etc. The differences that we encounter on a daily basis, the differences of opinion, the differences of conviction, the differences of belief. If we would conduct ourselves as those who tried to keep a tight rein on our tongue, that we wouldn't curse men, you know, praise God, but curse men. No, no, let's not try to do that. Let, let's try to surrender our tongues, our words, our speech to the will of God. And, and then James goes right into this, this contrast of earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. If we would do this, we live in such blighted times. Oh, there's so much anger and hostility and animosity and, 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 and meanness and, and just, oh, and you go, yeah, Don, but you know, don't be naive. I, I know, trust me, I'm all about the cultural tsunami and how we stand against it, right? <laughs> trust me, you, 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 if you've been listening to the Basin Academy for any length of time, you know, I feel pretty deeply about, you know, critical race theory and, you know, some of these things. But that does not release us from the call to live as the followers of Jesus Christ and to pursue a heavenly wisdom. Because most of us, truth be told, live in a small little circle. We interact with a few people and, and, and a lot of times we avoid people because we don't you know how to get along with them. And so what would happen if we sought to become those peacemakers who sow in peace, who who, who uh, conduct themselves according to this heavenly wisdom, we would raise a harvest of righteousness in our own lives and by his grace in the lives of others. And so what do you say? Let's try to pursue that together, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and grace revealed in these scriptures. Help us. <laughs> Help us to live these words, not just hear the words, but to do the words and to live into the wisdom that comes from heaven. And so we pray this for the sake of Jesus Christ and in his name. And we pray now as he taught us, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God cause his face to shine upon you and may he bring about that harvest of righteousness in and through your life this day and forevermore. Amen.